Well, hey everyone, welcome to my home. We're in uh, my family room and I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm Roger and today is the last day in our series of seven talks on the miracles of Jesus. So if you'd click share or start a watch party to let your friends and family know that uh, we're here and what we're all about at Sea Road. Now, have you ever heard that question, are we there yet? Have you ever heard that question arise from a squeaky voice in the back seat, maybe? Uh, maybe on a family vacation or a visit to a family member in another town. Maybe even from some colleagues riding with you to a conference. Are we there yet? Now, I will say that when I've ridden with my colleagues, I never heard it from them. We heard it, but it was always from me. Are we there yet? It seems to have a universal grip on the consciousness of everyone who walks this earth. That sense of longing to arrive at our destination, it seems to exist in all cultures. And it does not escape the context of this Miracles of Jesus series. Now, we have looked at resurrection, uh, calming the storm, deliverance of a demoniac, a man born blind receives his sight, a diseased woman is healed, and the miracle of God's grace to sustain us through the struggle. So for today's message, we're reconciling the now with the not yet. Now, not in that quarantine sense of the concept. So for many of us, the not yet refers to when can we finally play in the park or see our loved ones. The now and not yet of today's talk is about a concept of faith. And it's what I call the miracle of worldview. How we make sense that the kingdom of God is here, but not yet here. This both and mystery of God's kingdom on earth. Now one pastor, he writes this. Recently I received two emails within hours of each other. In the first, I learned of the tragic death of a young boy whose parents and many others had prayed faithfully for many months uh, for healing from cancer, but the young boy had died. In the second email, this pastor read the testimony of another young man, not yet a Christian, living on another continent, who was prayed for that week by his sister's Alpha group. Well, this young man had just attended a hospital appointment at which confirmation of the original diagnosis of a similar tumor was expected, only to find that he was completely in the clear. Now, why was one miraculously healed and not the other? Why did the believer's child die and the as yet unbelieving brother live? Why did a day or two's prayer from a few people yield amazing results, but not months of faithful intercession from many? You know, nothing illustrates both the challenge and the fundamental importance of developing intentional faith more than those two words, now and not yet. It's one of the tensions that we live with as Christians. I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. Well, which is it? And can it be all of them? Why do I already have every spiritual blessing in Christ, according to Ephesians 1, and yet I need to keep, uh, keep being filled with the Spirit according to Ephesians 5. How can I have uh, died to sin 
according to Romans 6, and yet I find that sin is living in me a chapter later in Romans 7, and it still keeps doing bad things in me. So how much is now and how much is not yet? Many people have questions regarding the kingdom of God, the now and not yet dichotomy. Now, you know, Jesus, he used all three of the different tenses when speaking about the kingdom of God. So, for instance, in Mark 1, we read this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So that kingdom of God coming near is a very present tense. And then several chapters later in Mark 9, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Okay, and so in that instance, he's uh, referring to people who will have died and have already seen the kingdom of God. So it's a past tense. And then five chapters later in Mark 14, uh, we read this. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So until that day, that's a very future uh, tense. So there is this sense that all this kingdom of God stuff, including miraculous healings, has a now and a not yet reality. And though it may be a challenge to our faith, I'm asking you to be open to the miracle of worldview. So let me explain that with an Old Testament example. It was around 615 BC when three prisoners of war had their faith tested. Now for me, this is an amazing example of the miracle of worldview. It's from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 8 to 18. It says this, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Well, Nebuchadnezzar got furious. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, it's important to note here that Nebuchadnezzar, he actually cared for these guys. He liked them. They were doing a great job in the province of Babylon. He didn't really want to get rid of them. He wanted to give them a chance. So he says this, Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you 
from my hand. You know, unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar, he had to save face and abide by his own decree to punish those who didn't comply with his rulings. So let's look and see what the responses of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. The miracle of worldview here is this. God can do it, but even if he doesn't, we will not waver. The faith of these three prisoners of war was not dependent upon what God might do for them in the future. Their faith and their resolve was steadfast and it would not be influenced by whatever harm uh, was threatened that might come their way. Their praise of God, their dedication to Yahweh, it was not dependent upon blessings or relief or absence of hardship. These men did not exhibit a fair weather faith. You know, those people who say, yeah, I'll align with God as long as he blesses me. That's not at all what we're talking about. And the application for believers in 2020 is this. Whatever hardship you're facing, the pain of isolation, the financial strain that is upon us, job insecurity, uh, health problems, whatever suffering you may be enduring, it's going to prove what you're made of. You know, I get it. We may be tempted to have thoughts like this. Well, if God doesn't heal me, I'm not serving him anymore. Or if God doesn't get me out of this financial stress, I'm giving up on him. You know, I think that many of us know what it's like to have thoughts of abandoning the faith. Like, welcome to humanity. Some of us, you know, we come to faith thinking this, turn to Jesus and all my problems will be solved. I remember as a 17-year-old when I yielded my life to Jesus, I, I thought, hey, I'll bet my acne will clear up. I can't believe I thought that, but I was thinking, you know, he's cleansing me from the inside. Maybe it'll have an effect on the outside. One author, he writes this, life is brutal at times. Rejection, betrayal, loss, abandonment, death, loneliness, failure, unemployment, evil, injustice, loss of income, and depression, they run rampant in our broken, not yet redeemed world. When we become a follower of Jesus, we do not obtain an, an exemption from trials and suffering. Being children of God does not make us immune from experiencing the storms of life. We do not develop a spiritual force field that keeps hurt and pain from penetrating our hearts. Now, sorry, folks, I know this really sounds like a bad news sermon. Please hang on. We will get to the good part. Jesus said this in John 17. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, when we get bogged down by the not yet part of our faith experience, it can actually blind us to the now part that we've already experienced. The same author 
who reminded us of all the bad, he continues on to say, when Jesus called us to believe the good news, he also called us to repent. A word which often gets some bad press, but it basically means to change the way we live. Not just at some unspecified point in eternity, but right now. When a person repents, they purpose to change their minds immediately, to change their way of thinking. And the Spirit of God helps us do just that. So I say to you today, if you've been tempted into wrong thinking, into giving up on God because things aren't going well, please repent. Change your thinking. And let me explain that a little bit further. We often couch repentance in negative terms, but it's not just what we turn from, but what we turn to. Yes, to holiness, but also to fullness of life, to transformation, to an extraordinary adventure with Jesus and to a new understanding. Jesus lived and he demonstrated the breaking in of the kingdom that he preached, but he did not reserve that privilege for himself. He sent his disciples out to do the same things. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, this is what he said. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And you know, Jesus later promised that anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He said it in John 14. He said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And so fortunately for us, we do have examples of the kingdom of God come to earth in the now. We do have examples of miracles. But you know, in the absence of that whole 100% success rate, that whole uh, heaven on earth right now, we have the miracle of worldview, which is this, that same attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God can do it, but even if he doesn't, we will not waver. Now, I'm going to say that the backbone of that conviction for believers today can be summed up with this quote. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone uh, die for a righteous person, though you know, for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we're stuck in the pain of the not yet during our earthly existence, remember, Christ died for you to give you life eternal. He died for you to have this happy ever after in forever land. God's love for us is not determined by what we experience in this life, whether it be blessings or suffering. So often, you know, when we go through hard or challenging, painful times, we begin to entertain a dangerous thought. Well, I'll know God loves me when he heals me, or when he takes away my pain, or when I get that new job, when dot, dot, dot. 
the idea that if God really loved me, then he would change blank. And you fill in the blank with whatever. It's such a distorted view of God's radical love for us. Our tendency is to hope and long for God to invade our situation and change our circumstances and restore everything in our lives in our terms and ideas. Instead, God wants to penetrate our souls and change our views of God, of ourselves, and of the world. And for me, that's the miracle of worldview. The demonstration of God's radical, loyal love for us is not solely proven by any of our personal circumstances. The way God demonstrates his love for you today is found in the cross of Jesus. The truth is that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Let me close with this. We are now brothers and sisters of Jesus, heirs of the promises of God, partakers of eternal life. That's the joy of being a believer. Now, may that help sustain you through the not yet. And yes, may you know the glory of the kingdom of God in the now. I do pray that we have those experiences. But more than that, May we join our voices with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and say, God can do it, but even if he doesn't, we will not waver. Now I want to say, if this is news to you, if this is a fresh revelation of what your faith can be, and you've never surrendered control of your life to Jesus, but you want to now, then pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I believe you are a good father. And I believe your son Jesus came to save me. I know I need you. So I confess my sin to you. And I trust you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you to guide me in all of God's ways. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. Go to the Contact Us button on our website, centennialroad.com, or click the link in the Facebook thread, because we want to help you in your new faith. God bless you.